Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find Amazon links to buy the music that you hear on the show, and a little portion of that purchase comes back to the show, and you'll find a donate button if you'd like to donate straight to the Jazz Session as a little thank you for whatever the Jazz Session has brought to you. Feel free to do that. It's safe and secure and much appreciated by me. My guest on today's show is Peter Erskine. He has done it all with everyone, and uh, he's most recently released a couple of records. One is called The Trio Live at Charlie O's, which uh, documents exactly what it sounds like, a live performance of uh, Peter Erskine with his trio. And the other is The Avatar Sessions, which is the second in a series of projects led by trumpeter Tim Hagen's uh, large ensemble projects. And it's my uh, pleasure to talk to Peter about both of those today. We'll start off the music with uh, an excerpt from the trio live at Charlie OCD. Uh, this is Put Your Little Foot Right Out. My guest is drummer, composer, educator Peter Erskine. Uh, he has a resume far too long to even summarize without doing it a grave injustice. So I'll just mention the two things that we're going to focus on today, which are uh, both on his own fuzzy music label. One is a trio CD called The Trio Live at Charlie O's, and the other is a large group CD uh, called The Avatar Sessions, which is actually the, the second in a series that Peter has put together with uh, trumpeter and composer Tim Hagens. And uh, it is my great pleasure to 
to welcome Peter Erskine to the show. Thank you for being here. My great pleasure. Thank you. Let's uh, these. I, I love that we're talking about these two recordings because you obviously have many facets to your your career and your playing style. But I like that these two showcase both you in a very intimate trio setting and you driving a big band. And so I wanted to start right off by asking if you could talk just a little bit about some of the the nuances or maybe the really overt differences of being in those two positions behind the drum set. Well, you know they're. Um they're very different and they're very much the same. It reminds me of a uh, of a story when I first joined uh, the group Weather Report, and uh, before my my first concert with the band, we had a press conference in Tokyo, Japan, and um, the 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 first and only question that was uh, directed to me was. Um, uh, well, well, Peter, uh, you know, you've played in, in big bands uh, like Stan Kenton and, and Maynard Ferguson. Uh, what qualifies you to uh, to play in Weather Report? And I felt rather put on the spot by the question. And um, I started to give a, a general answer like, uh, well, you know, good music is good music and uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and Joe Zavano uh, kind of uh, waves his hand and cuts me off and interrupts me. And he said, you know, Weather Report is a big band. And we're a small group, too. Okay, next question. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what, it, what, it, what it may have lacked in, uh, in uh, detail or uh, evidentiary content uh, was more than made up for with its succinctness. And um, brevity being a virtue, we could just leave it at that. But uh, in the case of of Tim Hagen's writing, I mean, the approach is very much uh, that of a small group sensibility. Um, the way the music is shifting and, and uh, the fact that the ensemble writing, you know, it has the power of, of a big band and yet it, it's kind of coming at, at the drummer or coming at the listener from a lot of different places at once. So, for example, um, most most big band drumming that you'll find yourself doing, um, you're, you're, you're pretty much dealing with one, um, one set of, of, of figures, you know, the, the horn sections are, they're, they're more or less voiced and rhythmically, uh, plotted out in kind of a block fashion. Whereas Tim, uh, is, uh, you know, in all his parts, I'm reading at least two lines simultaneously, almost almost the entire uh, length of the chart. Um, so it's it's like a very modern form of of notated Dixieland.
I know that you and Tim uh, have uh, a long time history together. Will you tell folks uh, who don't know where the two of you first met? Well, uh, Tim and I uh, first met on the Kenton Band. I'd, I'd been in the band for a couple of years, and he joined as one of the uh, section trumpet players. Uh, I, I don't know if Tim ever graduated to doing much in the jazz chair, but certainly uh, after he left Kenton, uh, you know, uh, he he's become one of the great voices uh, in in jazz period, but certainly on the trumpet. I mean, he's doing things um, that almost can't be done on the trumpet. And I had no idea of, of of his prowess. You know, he'd gone over to Europe, and I lost track of him. And then he moved to New York, and I just started hearing from a lot of great players. Wow, have you checked out Tim Hagen's? And I said, well, Yeah, we we used to be, you know, we were buddies on on the Kenton band. Um, and then we played together a few years ago uh, in Sweden uh, in a quintet with the tenor saxophonist uh, Leonard Oberg. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I said, Wow, we we have to do something together. And then that became uh, my being invited to work with Tim and the Norbolten Big Band, which is based in the very far north of Sweden. It's a community-supported big band, but it's certainly not any kind of regional small-time group. I mean, they they play with the fire, intensity, experience level, and technical ability of, of any world-class big band. And, and, and they know how to play Hagen's music. Because he does write, it's kind of like it's more like Ellington, I guess, than anyone else. He really writes for the musicians who are playing his stuff, and that's that's why the Avatar Sessions album is is such a hoot. Now, um, I should mention uh, to your listeners that uh, the Avatar Sessions was not a, a cheap attempt to cash in on on the movie name. In fact, it's, it's kind of worked against us. But we did record the album in Avatar Studios. And it seemed as good a name as any, at least in terms of describing uh, what the album was compared to the previous album, which was a live effort. Uh, so we spent five days uh, in Avatar Studios, which uh, in the old days used to be known as uh, Power Station. And generally, you know, the general consensus is it's one of the two or three great studios in the world. Um so it was like a dream to get to play Tim's music in this great room and with all the great soloists, including Randy Brecker, George Garzon, Dave Liebman, Rufus Reed, uh, Vic Juris on guitar. I was playing drums. Tim, of course. Um, you know, we, my wife and I, we, we rented a, a small apartment for the few days we were in Manhattan doing the album. And the third or fourth evening when I came back from the studio, she said, you know, I've never seen you like this. And I said, like what? She said, I've never seen you so excited coming back from work. And I was absolutely just bubbling, you know. So long answer longer, Jason, as, as much as I love the small group aesthetic and and the delicacy and the interplay and the ability to to turn on a dime musically, I have to be honest and and admit that I I think I w- if I was born to do anything I think I was born to play big band drums. It's it's really where I feel like you know when I'm when I'm doing that it's like I feel like I'm on the giant slalom course of life and I'm just having a really great run and and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
sounds kind of like coming home for you maybe yeah i think so there's just something about the power and the, and you kind of reach a little deeper into and it, not just tim's big band i mean whenever i get to play big band if it's a good big band i did a gig well i, I work a lot with bob mincer's big band out here in la or uh, when bob florence was alive i was doing his band out here uh sometimes with trumpeter wayne bergeron um it's it's just fun you know, it's it's always a challenge. It's the combination of reading and listening and making all the pieces fit and, and being stylistically true. Um, the stylistic uh, guidelines are a little more set in stone, perhaps, than with small group stuff. Um, and that's fun because I think uh, with every tightening of, of the discipline screw, uh, it unleashes uh, another creative idea or aspect that you might not have been aware of, you know? And this appears to be a good time for large ensembles, too. I mean, I think of everybody from Maria Schneider to uh, Tim, of course, Darcy James Argue. There just seem to be many people who are exploring using the large ensemble uh, as a just a broadening of the palette rather than being kind of confined to some structures. I think a lot of the music on the Avatar sessions is really... Um, somewhat outside the mold of what we might consider conventional big band music, if that term even means anything anymore, which seems pretty no, exciting. It, 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 because stylistically it's not, I mean, let's face it, when, like when I got to go on the road and, and big bands were still like the gateway for professional musicians. So, you know, a lot of players, they, they, they played with Kenton or Woody Herman or Buddy Rich or, or Maynard uh, or Basie or Ellington, um, all these road bands. Um, now there, there are really no road bands. There, I mean, there's some, some bands that, that, that tour on occasion or, or some kind of a schedule, uh, if not a ghost band and something similar to it, some kind of tribute band. But I guess what, you know, leader led bands, uh, by live people, um, they don't travel, they don't tour. And I mean, even small groups don't tour like they used to. I mean, 
you know, it's tough for jazz musicians on, on one hand because we we want to play at the level of our heroes, and and our heroes were playing fifty weeks a year, you know, four four sets a night, and maybe we get to do it a couple times a week, or I mean, depending where you live. So, uh, if nothing else, I think those opportunities that we get to do this. Um, Nobody takes it for granted. I mean, everyone really plays with focus, with passion, um, and with the recognition that here's a chance to do something a little bit different. So, uh, because it, 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 it approaches nothing of, of routine, um, I think it's fostered a lot more creativity. Uh, and building on a tradition, I mean, you know, all thanks to, education pioneers, people like Stan Kenton, who really, you know, were responsible for us being able to use the word jazz in schools. It wasn't that long ago. You couldn't even call it a jazz band. It was it was a lab band, something euphemistic, stage band. Um, and and the fruit of all of all that love and labor, I think, are, are, you hear it in, in the music of Maria Schneider or Tim Hagens or... Uh, uh, Hollenbacker, John Hollenbacker, you know, these kinds of writers. I want to uh, shift focus, if we can, to uh, the other release on uh, the Fuzzy Music label, uh, the trio live at Charlie O's. Not the other, as if there were only two, but the other one that we're talking about today. Um, the first thing that struck me about this record, uh, outside of the playing itself, was that it has this really beautiful live sound. It is, it's almost a, a throwback, and I don't mean that in a derivative way, but it has, you can hear the club. You can tell that you are somewhere, and it has a real kind of sonic picture to it. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you about the decision to record this live record and what Charlie O's is like. I have to say, I'm never ashamed to admit my ignorance. I'd never heard of Charlie O's before this record arrived in my mailbox, however long ago it did. And I went and looked up things about it <laughs> in preparation for this. But uh, would you tell us a little bit about Charlie O's and the decision uh, to record there and to have this trio there in the first place? Well, Charlie O's is, uh, is one of those great San Fernando Valley jazz rooms. Uh, uh, what they lack in Naugahyde, they make up for in, in, um, in Pine uh, <laughs> Wall. 
lot of the really great jazz clubs, there was always like a lot of Naugahyde. And, um, <laughs> we, uh, there are some, uh, I mean, Charlie's is not totally new, but it's relatively new. And, and there, we have a few great jazz rooms here. One, uh, one is Fitello's, um, which uh, was an Italian restaurant and, and known by many people as, uh, you know, Fitello's as in, Robert Blake returned to Vitello's to get the gun, to, uh, which has the sordid part of its history. But uh, they opened a jazz room upstairs, and it's it's just a wonderful room. Uh, no, no ice cube crushing machines, no cash registers. Um, so it's a quiet listening room. Charlie O's, on the other hand, is one of those great kind of pine walled. Uh, uh, Naugahyde jazz bars where there is a cash register and an ice machine, and that's all part of the ambiance. and And it's a place where a lot of, uh, of course, jazz musicians and jazz fans, and many of those jazz fans happen to be actors. So you're always recognizing you know, a lot of like character actors. A lot of cowboy actors seem to <laughs> <laughs> seem to come to the club. Um, and uh, the decision, I have to be honest, the decision to record live, I mean, I was setting up my drums and there was this guy setting up his, his MacBook Pro with a, with an audio interface. I said, oh, hi, <laughs> what's your name? And, uh, uh, what are you doing here? And, and, uh, I think, uh, he had been speaking with, with Chuck Berghofer and, and Chuck said, why don't you come down and record the band? So he set up a few mics and, uh, he put them all in the right place and between uh, what he captured on his portable Pro Tools rig, and then what engineer Rich Brain Rich Breen was able to do um, uh, with with the mix, and uh, it took a little bit of work. Uh, it, it's 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 an unusually pleasant sounding album, um, and it does sound like you know when you would put on, I mean, just the vibe you would get from like some of the like those Oscar Peterson live albums or something. So it's really fun. Nothing uh, nothing jumps out uh, annoyingly in terms of audience applause or anything. It's just a very uh, well-crafted and fun-sounding album. Uh, the most fun, of course, being the incredible swing of Chuck Burkhoffer on the bass and, and Terry Trotter's just absolutely delightful and phenomenal piano playing. And if... If you haven't heard Terry Trotter, you're really in for a treat. The, the guy is is uh, something of a, of a best kept secret, um, and it was it was it was only the second time I'd ever played with Terry. That was the second time that that the group had played together. And it's funny because at the time I was like, "Oh, geez, it's too bad we didn't record record the first night. I don't know if this is as good as the first night." And, and then I waited a couple weeks and and. Uh, the engineer sent me the tapes, and I listened. And I went, "Wow, this is actually like really great." Um, so it, it comes from one evening, and it's just you know, it's one of those you say, you know, we got really lucky. Um, it was a good night.
it would be fun to make some sort of family tree with you and Terry and Chuck. And then I think we would only take about one degree of separation to connect to every other jazz musician who ever lived. It's unbelievable the number of people that the three of you have played with over your careers in the jazz world and outside and far outside of it as well. Well, uh, you know, Chuck Burkhofer is a... Uh, is known not only for you know, having played with Sinatra, he played with Pete Jolly for many years, he played with Shelley Mann. Um, he's also uh, the acoustic bass on Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking, you know, the yeah, yeah. ding, 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 that's Chuck. That's also Chuck on the uh, Barney Miller theme, the boom. One of the great bass lines of TV history. Yeah, Yeah, and he came up with that, actually. No kidding. They were like, hey, bass player, can you come up with a funky line? So, um, yeah, that was was all Chuck. And uh, it's funny uh, because you don't hear it on the album, but almost any night you go out and hear Chuck play, at some point he'll sneak one or both of those licks in. And then Terry, yeah, Terry's just uh, played with, with so many people, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful pianist. It's, the, it's like the entire history of jazz piano. Virtuosity, tenderness, swing. Uh, the, guy, the guy can do it all, and it was, uh, it was Chuck Burkhofer's idea to, to put the three of us together. Um, and so, yeah, now, uh, you know, about once a month we'll play at the club, uh, depending on our schedules, and... Uh, uh, I'm just delighted by the album, and and of all the records we've put out, including you know, I mean, you know, some of them involve tremendous amounts of pre-planning and production and recording and expense. Um, this is turning out to be one of the more, if not most, popular uh, CDs that we've ever released. Uh, I think by the sheer nature of its unpretentiousness, it's it's just it's those kind of jazz records that I think we all grew up listening to. Uh, you know, done in a very short amount of time. I think, I think that's the real essence of, of this music. You mentioned uh, in the first half of the interview some of the things you find so enjoyable about playing in a large ensemble setting. What are some of the the joys for you of of small group playing? Well, it's more, um, it's lighter. Uh, you can play softer. You can investigate a whole other area of, of of the kind of I guess sonic spectrum, texturally as well as volume wise, um, and. Uh, it's a fun tradition. It's it's fun to 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 build your dynamic world uh, just amongst the three instruments. 
Um, so the the tone you get out of the instrument's different. Uh, the way that it just sings, it's it's different. It's fun. For a while, I mean, I was totally sold on on trio playing. I thought, I mean, before that, I I avoided it. I didn't understand how to do it. Um, and then living living in New York City for a while and working with musicians like John Abercrombie, I started to get it. I started started to learn how to let go and just go more with the the flow of the swing and um and and it had become my favorite until this kind of re uh immersion into the world of big bands the last few years um where i uh it was i forget who it was someone came up to me and they said you were born to do this and oh you know who it was interesting it was uh Don Williams, it's the brother of composer John Williams, and Don is a, is a wonderful percussionist, and he works on film scores, and excellent drummer himself. Um, their father, John Williams, was the uh, was a drummer in Raymond Scott's quintet. No kidding, I never knew that. Yeah, oh, Raymond Scott's great stuff. Uh, anyway, but Don came up to me one night, he said, he said, you were born to do this. And, and I thought about it, and I went, you know, maybe he's right, because it does, it does feel the most like home when all said and done, it's... It's it's just great fun, and I'm I'm really glad I get to do it. And uh, Norbolton Band is, has been fun. I'll I'll go out and guest with college bands or or you know radio big bands throughout Europe. I'm going to play with the Budapest Jazz Orchestra next week. Um, I you know I love the bands uh, out here in L.A. and I used to love the ones in New York, and and I definitely love that that Swedish big band, the, the Norbolton Band, um, and. Uh, we're 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 very excited about both records, and I I have to work in the plug the uh, the next two albums on Fuzzy. Uh, uh, one is a follow up to the Standards album that was nominated for a Grammy last year. Uh, this will again be with Alan Pasqua, uh, but with Dar Coles on bass. Uh, uh, Dave Carpenter passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, so Dark Holes is now the basis, and, and the great Bob Mincer is joining us. And uh, we're doing, uh, we're calling it Standards 2, and it's all movie music. Uh, and a lot of fun recorded in, uh, in an audio file set up in, in a very wonderful sounding live concert hall uh, uh, outside of San Diego. Uh, and then another album which we released in a uh, uh, iTunes download only. Uh, manner, but we're, we're, there's been a, a request for us to, to actually press CDs. It's, it's something that Alan Pasqua and Dark Oles and I recorded um, in Interlochen, uh, the Interlochen Center for the Arts. Uh, that's my high school alma mater, the Interlochen Arts Academy. They have a beautiful concert hall there, and almost exactly a year ago, we, we uh, played a concert, and, and a guy, again, uh, thanks to, I mean, you know, it's it's incredible now with recording technology. It's kind of like this great democratization. If you play some good music and somebody has, you know, pretty good equipment, you can make recordings that rival or are superior to big old productions that, that you know, it, you, you can get really lucky. You can catch some things that, that would have been undreamt of a few years ago. Sure. So, we got that and, and the other thing, so pardon the plug, but, uh, you know, our, our musical plates will, will, I think, be very full with, with, with these four albums total for a while, and, and uh, then we'll slow down a bit. But we're, 
we're real excited that the last year or two has resulted in all this music. And uh, links to the uh, Fuzzy Music label site will be uh, in the show notes at thejazzsession.com. My guest is Peter Erskine. Uh, it would be, and we have 25 minutes together, it would be impossible to cover the breadth of the things that Peter has been involved in. And we've only talked about a very narrow window. So go check him out. Uh, check out his website, uh, which will also be linked in the show notes because he's been he's been there for all of it. Uh, the two albums that we talked about today are uh, the Trio Live at Charlie O's and the Avatar Sessions. And uh, it's been my great pleasure to talk with you, Peter, and I thank you so much for taking the time to do it. Jason, thank you very much. Apologies for the long answers, but uh, uh, you got me talking about stuff I love, and I, I, I really appreciate your, your help and spread the good word. That's music from Peter Erskine. Two new projects out from Peter, the trio live at Charlie O's and the Avatar Sessions, uh, music of Tim Hagens. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. If you'd like my first book of poetry, and really, who wouldn't, it's called Unexpected Sunlight, and you'll find it at jasoncrane.org slash store. That's jasoncrane.org slash store. I'm also doing uh, some readings coming up, doing one in June in Brooklyn, and uh, one in July in State College, Pennsylvania, and another in July in Albany, and uh, probably some others in in Syracuse and other points. So uh, definitely check out jasoncrane.org. And uh, there's an events calendar, so if you'd like to come out and see me, I'd love to see you. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this program. You'll find them online at respectsextet.com, and they're often touring on the East Coast and in other places, too. Please go out and see them, because they're great, and you'll thank me for it. 
Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Session logo. Thanks so much for listening. I'm really glad you were here. Please go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.